This is Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 212. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. We have learned from so many of our past guests that to be successful, you need to systematize, automate, and leverage data in your restaurant. Well, with QSR Online, it's never been easier. Head over to go.qsronline.com slash unstoppable to learn more. Do you want new promotions and free, low-cost marketing strategies to attract new customers? Go to restaurantpromo.net today and become unbeatable in your market. Again, that's restaurantpromo.net. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Michael Anthony. Chef, tell me you're feeling unstoppable this morning. I'm feeling unstoppable. <laughs> All right, yes. So let me give the listeners a, a quick introduction, and I'll pass it over to you uh, to get the, the big story. So Chef Michael Anthony is the executive chef and partner of a little restaurant you may have heard of, Gramercy Tavern, as well as executive chef and managing director of Untitled and Studio Cafe at the Whitney Museum of American Art. Uh, passionate about using ingredients that can trace to their story or to the sources, Mike is known for forging strong ties between the restaurant and local farmers. Uh, Mike's accolades include Food and Wine's Best New Chef 2002, James Beard Best New Restaurant 2005, New York Times Best New Chef in New York, James Beard Award for Outstanding Restaurant 2008, James Beard Award Best Chef in New York City 2012, and most recently, James Beard Award Outstanding Chef in America 2015. Holy crap, Mike. Like, Wow. Congratulations on all of your success. You must be uh, just ecstatic on what you've accomplished. Uh, but I, I can't wait to dive into uh, like what has made you you and why you're so successful. But before we do that, let's just get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today? Well, you asked me that question, and so I thought I would share with you um, I've, I've had a lot of great mentors uh, that have helped me along the way. And I'll, I'll start by, by just saying the quote, and it is, aim at nothing and you'll hit it. And it, this comes from a, a, a gentleman who was um, maybe a mentor for most of the people who have worked at Union Square Hospitality Group, Paul Bowles Bevan, um, a gentleman who um, was famous for uh, sharing bits of wisdom in the form of quotes. And in this case, uh, a quote sticks with you when it's simple, when it resonates, mm. and when it, um, when it is achievable. And so uh, my feeling is, is that every day in the restaurant, uh, there's such complex uh, organizations, right? Whenever you put a lot of people together uh, who want very badly to show off mm. and to create value, and to please, really, um, you set yourself up for conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the people who work in our restaurants all want very badly to please our guests. 
Uh, and the nature of the restaurant business builds conflicts into what we do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the key to it is figuring out what's the common ground between all of the folks that work together in our businesses, foster teamwork, and by simply naming um, attainable, recognizable goals, um, you know, we take steps every day towards, you know, towards success. Mm. So aim at, aim at nothing and you'll hit it, which means pick, pick goals, pick small, smart, attainable goals. Yeah, and I think that's something that people fall victim to all the time in this industry. They just show up, and they don't really work towards aiming at anything. They just show up and do the job, but you need to have those goals. You have to be aiming for something, a benchmark, something to grow, and that's what I'm hearing from you, and that's what I'm taking away from this quote. Well, for me, it also, um, yeah, for sure, you're right on the money, and but it also, uh, you know, is akin to, I came from, a medium-sized city. I grew up outside of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, having had the opportunity to travel a little bit, I, I've noticed that people from around the world, whether you're from, you know, a big city or a small place, uh, dreaming big is important. Believing that you, you can is also a really important part of this. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, in, in a sense of um, saying aim, aim at nothing and you'll hit it means dream big. Mm. Uh, by you know by by not um, holding back your dreams, by not necessarily believing when people say um, that they're not sure you'll reach your you know your potential in life, by 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 being too self-conscious or scared of uh, failure, I think that people hold themselves back. So there's a certain aspect of uh, dream big that I think has always helped me. Uh, find you know motivation and, and moving forward. Awesome, Chef. I love it. And uh, during your explanation of that quote, you mentioned uh, finding a common ground. Like, what is the common ground, and what do you think? In like a like a couple sentences, is that common ground we're all searching for? Well, I think you know in a re- in the restaurant business, we have to establish a sense of uh, you know authentic or genuine mm. uh, appeal to our guests. Mm-hmm. We. You know, we learn a lot of techniques, and a lot of our job is based on how well we do it, how fast or how precise. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the real guiding light for the Union Square Hospitality Group is how do we make people feel? Yeah. And the common ground is while we're doing what we're doing and trying really hard and every day trying to do it better, um, how aware are we of how people both, you know, on our team and you know, sitting in the seats enjoying the restaurant, how do they feel? Mm-hmm. So the common ground is just making sure it's really about self-awareness because mm. I think it's a bit of a moving target, and every restaurant has a slightly different goal, as does every diner have a slightly different motivation every time they, they walk through the door. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with our teams, we're lucky to do what we love to do, and I think we just need to underline that, that positive feeling every day, remind ourselves, you know, we chose to do this for a reason. We're really lucky that we, you know, that we're in it. And we have to just make sure that every day we're awake and mm. thinking and clear. When we say hello and welcome to someone, it should it should never be, um, you know, formulaic. Yeah. It should always be as genuine as we can make it. And we're listening and watching and thinking um, about the little signs that people give you to let you know ahead of time how they're feeling and what they need and how you might be able to just kind of make their day better. 
Well, I'm motivated. I'm inspired. <laughs> Great job getting this interview kicked off, Chef. Uh, let me ask you, what were the steps you took to get to where you are today? Some snapshots. I gave the listeners a huge aerial view of your title, what you've accomplished. But let's just take a quick moment to the, see the, the, you know, the course you took to get to where you are. So uh, you started, you, you went to school, you, you were a, a business major at the University of Indiana, correct? Yeah. So and I studied languages there too. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, why you took that path, the things you did to get to where you are today. Quickly. Well, uh, growing up in the Midwest, I always I fell in love with Indiana University. It's a real oasis in Southern Indiana. It brings people from all over the world and ideas from all over the world. You know, close to where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, both my parents went to school there. So I was introduced to it at, at a young age and I it just it really grabbed me mm-hmm. uh, so I had, I had dreamed of, of going to school there for a long time it was a matter of exploration you know I really didn't know what I wanted to do through high school and through college um, so I was lucky enough to be able to approach it with enthusiasm and it opened so many new doors now it's, it seems like it may have almost been random which one of those doors I, ch- I chose, and I have always, you know, reserved the right to change. I, I like, I love it when I see stories about people who follow uh, different uh, passions and use their, uh, you know, career experiences as a leap pad from one interesting um, place to another. And my story, you know, after graduating from school, took a, a bit of a you know roundabout turn. I moved <laughs> straight to Japan. I know, which I thought was really out of left, you know, left field. Like, why did you make that move? Like, what was the the reason behind going out to Japan? Well, I explained to my dad that it was perfectly logical to follow <laughs> some of the business inclinations. Oh yeah. And, basic foundation that I had learned and pursuing the language would probably lead to interesting, it's you know, such an incredible culture out there. Um, for me, it was really an exploration. I had, uh, taken uh, a bike trip when I was in, uh, when I was still, when I was a junior in school and, uh, met a couple of Japanese guys along the way, spent a, a, a week and a half traveling through Western France on mountain bikes and hit it off, fell really in love with the idea of understanding that culture Mm -hmm. a little bit more deeply and and then pursuing the language. I mean, language is, uh, you know, just a technical skill that unlocks, um, you know, new adventures. So um, that's kind of how it happened. And, you know, whether it was logical or completely, you know, a romantic decision, I don't know. I couldn't even begin to tell you. It was probably both. So what it did... Sorry, when when you went yeah. out there, did you know that you were going to be focusing on food, or did it just happen because you you were working? Not at all. Okay. I found a solution to kind of uh, get up and running and live and work legally in the country. And while I was there, I was lucky enough to meet a, a whole host of people that uh, brought me in and introduced their culture. And um, and I worked so I worked at a bakery. I worked on a farm. Uh, I worked in a restaurant. And mm-hmm. it really came from uh, being, you know, in a very introspective period of my life and being a bit far away from friends and family and able to kind of think for myself. And I really value that opportunity. I don't think everyone needs to travel to the other side of the world uh, in order to do that, but it, seemingly I did. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Awesome. And then you spent, uh, was it five years in France? So after having worked 
uh, in Japan. My dream was to go to cooking school there, but I ended up following the advice of my chef, which was to go to France, where I spoke the language, mm-hmm. and I en- entered myself in a, uh, in a cooking school as part of the national vocational system. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be a very difficult but um, promising way to get into the restaurant business. I was mm-hmm. introduced to, you know, great culture, to, you know, more language, and also the idea of really understanding not just, you know, how to, how to grasp the techniques of cooking, mm-hmm. but how to understand their cultural value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel pretty lucky because my experiences in Japan and France really have nourished and guided the way I think about food. Uh, they've opened doors for me to understand that, you know, the restaurant business connects with nearly every facet of life. Uh, and now, you know, unbelievably, in the 25 years that I've been doing this for a living, we've seen the, um, the acceptance of the job of a chef change so dramatically. And I don't mean simply, you know, with the coming of the celebrity chef on TV or on the Internet, but really people look to chefs today for answers. Oh, yeah. They look to them for uh, specialization, for ideas, for, you know, for uh, kind of taste. And good living. And so there's an interesting uh, respectability to the job that didn't necessarily um, exist in its current form when I got into this business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's to me, I think when I was doing my research on you, it seemed like you, you made moves to surround yourself with successful people along the way, um, whether it was your mentor in Japan to getting that experience in France. And then you came back to the States and you, you were working for more incredible people. Uh, you worked at restaurant Danielle. Uh, you were chef cuisine at uh, March restaurant. I mean, what part in surrounding yourself with amazing people, like what did that uh, do for your career? Well, I think mostly uh, I didn't think about those decisions strategically. I just looked for people that wanted to share uh, ideas and that approached the you know life and the business with a sense of enthusiasm mm. and natural curiosity. So you know I think when you when you approach your life with a sense of just um, enthusiasm and, and look for people that share those feelings and ideas, uh, things fall into place. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I've made those decisions all too strategically. Uh, they just fell in, they just fell into place. Awesome. I think this is a, a perfect opportunity to segue into the next question, which is what is your why? What is your purpose? What drives you? And listening to you talk, it seems like um, your why early on was just being surrounded by that enthusiasm, other people who are just similarly driven and passionate. Uh, but I'll let you put it in your own words. What is your why? What is your purpose? What, why do you do what you do? Well, I mentioned that, you know, through travel, I was able to kind of get a broader perspective of um, what the restaurant business is all about. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that um, that my why is something akin to highlighting the, you know, social value, Mm. um, even intricate and vast social value of fresh food. And I also, you know, over the years of working have... um, you know, felt compelled by the, you know, the by, by education in general, but specifically how, um, you know, the role of restaurants, exploring the role of restaurants in the community. Um, this kind of came into focus when I started working at Gramercy Tavern and a parent uh, from a local uh, elementary school stopped by and asked 
you know, if we if her kids' first grade class could come and visit the restaurant. And my parents were both teachers. Um, I had been involved in a lot of uh, child food education. And so I was already quite interested in exploring, you know, how Gramercy Tavern, from a very mainstream perspective, could impact that subject. And in here, someone just knocked on the door. So I, we sat down and talked about what form that would take. And when I visited the school and I met the principal and the teachers, I walked in and I noticed right away on the walls they had this beautiful display of what role does a restaurant play in our community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that, that really put it into very sharp focus for me. And that's been a guiding light for, um, you know, for Gramercy mm-hmm. Tavern as well as uh, Untitled Restaurant um, and, and even um, Studio Cafe, which is, uh, you know, also located in the Whitney Museum. Um, we, we look to highlight ingredients that come from our region, we're telling a story, a passionate story of how those ingredients are produced. We're underlining the interesting health qualities of eating fresh food that's connected to it culturally. We're, you know, constantly exploring how people make those decisions, how and why they make the decisions they do when they eat. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking to do it in a way that doesn't add to the hysterical rhetoric and fear about food, but actually opens new you know, avenues rather than throwing up roadblocks. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, while we're, you know, deeply interested in, in all of those, um, you know, avenues that food connects to, um, we really want people to relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, a, there's an interesting juxtaposition of, you know, coming to our places and uh, relaxing and understanding that any great restaurant should have intimate relationships with its producers Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time you know there's this message of this is not a spectator sport Mm. you know you as a home cook can do this you don't need a specialist to show up as proud as i am of the food at gramercy tavern and untitled as well as studio cafe uh, it's not the only way to access fresh food there we buy it from sources that you know anyone in our community can buy it from so this is not an elitist movement. This is about giving people encouragement, a little pat on the back, and even some you know, guidance to say it's only more interesting if we share this as a cultural value. Mm, I love it. And just to highlight some of the things that you just shared with us uh, as to your why is uh, just being able to highlight the social value of fresh food and the impact of restaurants in your community. And uh, also you seem really compelled to educate and to teach other people. And that's a big part of your why. And that's huge. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned that successful people in this industry, the reason why they're one of the reasons why they're so successful is that people come to them. They get the best of the best because they're going to learn something. They're going to grow personally by being underneath that person's tutelage, not just professionally, but your community too. People, want to you know come to like you you draw people in when you make them better through educating them and expanding their horizons what do you have to say about that cool i would agree wholeheartedly and now we have more tools you know to become better storytellers oh Um, yeah the the day-to-day consists of um, people who are able to get excited about what they do feel um like they want to go to work that they actually feel needed at work, that mm. they're not just, you know, a tool or, a, you know, a, 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 an indiscriminate piece of the puzzle, that they actually have an impact on their workplace and, 
um, and they're you know they're deeply needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at the at the end of the day, how um, you know we ask everybody who shows up, when do you have the confidence to be able to add to our story? Mm no matter what your background is and what your experience level is. And two, your goal, our goal, every single person who works with us, their goal should be can you leave your, your station or, you know, our workplace better than you found it. Mm. I love it, man. So, I really do. And uh, So the, the point of that is, like, forward progress, you know, is always the, the key to it, sharing ideas, but really making people – feel deeply connected and mm-hmm. that little when they once they've finished and you know we have to be realistic you know we're trying to always improve our staff retention we want for the you know the investment that we put in our training to pay off over time but at the end of the day we know that you know healthy strong ambitious people move on mm-hmm. and they go on to do really cool things and hopefully just hopefully they'll do it even better than we do it and if that's the case, well, then it's the most positive, you know, way of judging whether our organization is working or not. Yeah, but not only, I mean, are you investing in the, the growth of other people, but when you invest in the growth, and one thing I've learned from observing restaurant groups like Union Square Hospitality is when you grow people and you give them the opportunity to, to go someplace else, you open a, a concept around their idea, around their passions. Danny Meyer has done that a whole bunch of times, and you, you provide not only opportunity to grow for your people, but as a, a restaurant group when you do that. Well, it's an interesting story, and, you know, given the evolution of the restaurant business as well as our company, we're starting to see uh, a little bit more flexibility in the in the notion of growth. Mm. Um, you know, we started working, especially Danny, you know, who made the decision to start working in the restaurant business in the mid-'80s, um, used the model of, you know, uh, the French chef, uh, Andre Sultner, who has been a great, you know, mentor for, for many of us. Um, but his way of looking at the world was, look, if I'm, you know, if I'm not in the restaurant, the restaurant's closed. Um, he worked every single day that the restaurant was open and mm-hmm. missed very few through his career. Um, and so that, that mentality leads to greatness, but at the same time, it doesn't uh, provide for, for growth. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of, you know, we grew up in a, an industry that was distrustful of, of growth. Mm. And even, you know, a lot of, in our restaurant industry, a lot of examples of failure in growth. And so uh, it's interesting to see how, how much that's changed in the restaurant business over the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and recognizing that it's impacting even our own company. And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, appetite for uh, approaching new ideas. Bottom line is, is that if you are um, nurturing all these smart people that are coming up with new ideas every day, um, and then you know as they climb this elevator or this, you know, as they are moving up the escalator of their careers, if everybody is getting log jammed at the top and there's no outlet for it, you know, then then it's it's not it doesn't have a chance of moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you you know find new ways for people who continue to grow at the highest level can use their entrepreneurial skills and their ambition to better the company, then it's a really, really powerful thing. And we're seeing, you know, there's no one better at it than, than Danny. He, oh, yeah. He's been an incredible leader and has asked himself and, and our company very challenging questions over the last few years. And, uh, you know, the response is, is pretty fascinating. So I'm excited about the, the future of the company. 
Absolutely. I'm going to have to uh, show some discipline here because I really want to keep on asking you questions and diving deeper into this topic, but we got to move on to the next question because we only have so much time. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to really stick to the, the outline here, but uh, the, <laughs> the next question I have for you is on your it factors, your habits, your characteristics, the things that we can emulate in our own lives to be successful. So what are your it factors, your habits, your characteristics? Well, you know, I mean, I think they, uh, for me, I guess the, the way people would characterize my approach is to try to um, be well balanced. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm challenged now that we own, um, that, that I'm operating a responsible for three restaurants. Um, but within that, I'm trying to find a way to be impactful in the moment. So there's really, I said balance, but there's no such thing as actual balance. Um, you just have to be in the right place at the right time. So I'm trying to pick and choose and, and make those decisions better every day. And, you know, when I'm there, I try to be in the moment and mm-hmm. I try to have as much impact as I can. Um, I have a family, and so I recognize that part of that, those decisions, you know, are as impacted by my home family as well as my restaurant family. And um, they only work when, you know, when they work together. Mm-hmm. And um, at work, uh, I tend to try to um, really listen carefully and give value to the to the people who are around me. I learn something every day, and that's whether it's from the most senior people in our organization that have mentored me and you know given me great direction and ideas, uh, as well as people who are just showing up, um, you know, with uh, only you know very little experience in our restaurant business. They all have something interesting to you know to add to our story and buy. Staying humble, I think we as a group uh, don't turn off any sources for, for learning. Mm. Um, if we show up every day with the idea of, like, there is something to, to improve on or to gain. Um, I, I actually didn't really know how to do this very well before I came to work at Gramercy Tavern about 10 years ago. Um, Danny and the company taught me how to um, take time, the really necessary time to pat ourselves on the back and the value of ceremony, mm. really saying to you know someone, you did a great job, and then taking a deep breath and turning around and saying, I bet we can do it better tomorrow. Awesome. So just to uh, summarize some of the things I pulled out, uh, some of the if factors I was able to grab was your well-balanced your, between different locations. You can spread yourself out uh, evenly. Uh, I think that's what you're getting at with saying that. Uh, uh, be in the moment. Uh, you're, you always are trying to leave impact in the moment. Uh, you listen to everybody, not just your superiors, but all. Like you never know where you're going to learn something new. Uh, so you're always open to learn. Uh, you're very humble. Humility is huge to you. And uh, you celebrate the little moments, and you celebrate time, and you uh, encourage people in the moment when they do something right. Is that a good summary? I think that, that hits on a lot of points that are important to me, yeah. Awesome. Are there any other it factors that you want to share with us before we move on? Well, listen, the one that really is the overriding one that goes, it's the common denominator in our company is, is that, you know, we're aware of the people around us, that, you know, the restaurant business is built on, you know, the notion that the customer gets whatever they want, that the guest is king. And mm-hmm. that's certainly true. I mean, we have to be very aware of everybody's needs. Our goal is to try to exceed uh, people's expectations, mm-hmm. right? Um, all of the people who walk through our door, our goal is to exceed their expectations in one way or another. Um, but, you know, are we putting each other as teammates in, um, 
in as good a uh, position as possible. So simply put, in, at Union for Hospitality Group, um, you know, we take care of each other first. Mm. And one thing I want to dive in a little bit deeper with this topic uh, is you mentioned quickly you celebrate people. Uh, you you it sounds like you recognize people. Talk talk to me about the significance of just taking the time to recognize your team. Uh, well, you know, I mean, first of all, on a personal level, people you know have to. Everyone needs that sense of like I'm you know I I have your attention. I have your um, your approval. Mm-hmm. I think it starts from the youngest age. You know when. You know, we look up to our parents for that sense of like, do you do you believe in me or not? And that sense of you know to to feel um, you know a supervisor's approval mm. um, is immensely powerful. Oh yeah, absolutely, it's so powerful. Awesome stuff. Uh, I need to ask you about a failure now. I mean, you've obviously had some great successes in your life, but we don't often hear about the failures as much as we should. So take us through a failure you had, Chef, where you just fell hard on your backside. What did you learn from that failure, and how are you better now because of it? Well, listen, I mean, you know, the failures are I, – I, I don't really know how to um, – I'm not sure I actually use that word failure. And whether it's I've been lucky in life or I just tend to look at failures from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. There's setbacks. Mm-hmm. There are things that didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted them to. And um, as a matter of fact, in, you know, they, were very, they can be very hurtful to all of us in the moment. And they can feel like you, know, uh, you haven't succeeded. Uh, but at the same time, every one of those setbacks, has ultimately in my life proven to to have down the road become advantages and you know very distinct successes. So there really, I guess I would say my my way of looking at this is there aren't there really isn't such a thing as a failure. Uh, there are setbacks along the way. Everybody mm-hmm. gets knocked down. It really depends on how fast you get back up. Absolutely. And, and who you are, who you are once you're standing up. I um. You know, I had a very serious health issue uh, four years ago. And okay. Long story short, I had open heart surgery that happened in an emergency setting. Whoa! Um, that nearly, yeah, nearly <laughs> the, that that would have been a failure, I guess. Um, having, you know, that was a life-threatening issue, and uh, it, it's interesting because I went through a long recovery, and I was quite nervous about whether I'd be able to do what I love to do physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, it taught me so many great lessons about uh, being less self-conscious of, you know, my decisions, about being less inhibited, uh, about being more aware of, you know, uh, trying to achieve things in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I'm a much stronger person having, having gone through that. I didn't ask to go through that. I, if I had the choice, I would have tipped it. <laughs> But along the way, you know, it left me a much stronger person. I think this is going to be the this is the first. And I think it's going to be the only time somebody uses open heart surgery as a setback or failure in their career, uh, which means you really have high standards for yourself. But uh, that I totally get what you're saying as far as like uh, you get set back, and it's all about I think uh, just being optimistic and uh, looking at everything as glass half full, like what's the best I can take from this experience? And like, how can I make myself better because of this? And if you're doing that, like you said, there's really no such thing as failures. There's, there's just setbacks, but you're going to be better because of it. Is that the, the biggest thing to take away from this, your story? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. 
Uh, and you said that you're the the way you're better now because of this setback is just having more appreciation of being in the moment, knowing that you you have a second chance to do what it is you love. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, it it just it is a realization, um, the the very kind of cold hard truth that you really do have to appreciate the moment. You mm-hmm. just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in an ominous way. I just mean simply that, like, we're lucky to be here, uh, and we should make the most of it. Absolutely. Great stuff. We've crushed the first half of this interview. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Systematizing and managing your restaurant can be difficult. Between service providers, software, and people you employ, you can find yourself and these processes spread all over the place. What if you could bring all these systems and processes to one place where you could easily manage and automate it all? Well, now you can with QSR Online. For over a decade now, QSR Online has been helping restaurants minimize their costs and gain time back in their lives. To learn more, head over to go.qsronline.com slash unstoppable. Looking to increase sales in your restaurant? There's only three ways to make that happen. Attract new customers, increase check averages, and increase the frequency your customers visit. RestaurantPromo.net gives you free case studies, strategies, and how-to guides to do all of the above. RestaurantPromo.net is your go-to place to get ahead in business and in life. Again, that's RestaurantPromo.net. Get on it. We're back, and the first question I have for you, Chef, is what is your advice for funding a restaurant and getting that initial capital to get started? Like, What have you seen? You've been in this industry long enough. You've seen restaurants open. What, what would you say we should do if we're trying to open our first restaurant? It's interesting. I mean, from, you know, from a chef's perspective and from you know, growing up in a, in a family that was hardworking and taught me a lot of good rest, uh, lessons but didn't necessarily have the financial means to give me that push into, you know, into business. Um, you know, from what I can see, I think that, you know, by uh, building a network um, mm-hmm. and telling people, everyone out there, what your dream is, you give them a chance to help you and to believe in you. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the restaurant business, it seems the restaurants that I've seen that form relationships between investors uh, and operators where there's a clear distinction of roles. Mm-hmm. Um, is important and uh, limiting the number, uh, you know, of of investors in the story uh, always seems to help communication down the road. Outside of that, uh, you know, the the more difficult and, and longer term picture, especially in big cities, um, is that you know restaurant owners that are able to you know to buy the buy their spaces and the buildings they operate on have a huge advantage to those that are uh, stuck in paying rent. Mm-hmm. Now you took a unique um, course, not too unique. I see people doing it often, but you became partner just through hard work and showing up every day and treating it like you own it. I mean, what can we learn from that? Well, I mean. I think that every employee needs to show up to work and treat their workplace with a sense of ownership. Mm-hmm. I won't go so far as to say that um, your work becomes your identity, mm-hmm. although, uh, you know, through my work life, uh, I've always attached a large sense of value to uh, really getting to do what I love to do, so I really don't even look at it as work. If mm-hmm. I weren't working for a living, I'd still probably be doing the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, I think the bottom line is is that um, 
treating your workplace with the uh, kind of um, respect and, you know, long-term uh, reverence that you would treat, uh, you know, your, your own family or, your, you know, impl- um, applying your own values uh, is something that's really important. It can be, you know, a, a runaway horse when mm. you, you see people in the restaurant business that end up, uh, you know, overstepping their their boundaries and the sense the sense of entitlement can be a very difficult subject for young people growing up in the business right so there there is this balance of as uh, you know you're growing in in a business building a re- long-term relationship with owners searching for investors it really is about the relationship yeah and uh, one thing just to touch on too that you mentioned uh, you, you said knowing your dream and I think that's something that's so important so many of us it kind of goes back to your opening quote which is you know uh, if you aim for nothing you'll hit it you got to know what you're passionate about what uh, your what drives you like what what it is that you love about this industry because when you know that uh, when you're when 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 it comes time to find the right company to work for, where you can grow with that company, if you're if you're wise, if your purposes are aligned, uh, I feel like that's just going to help so much. And let, instead of just aimlessly taking the first job where you're working with somebody who's not aligned with your visions, your your purposes, your your drives. What do you have to say about that's that? The tough, the tough thing in the restaurant business. I mean, you're we're all out there trying to learn, uh, you know, new uh, new ideas and new techniques, and it pushes us. To want to work with you know the the, the most innovative um, and ambitious people in our business, um, but underneath it we do have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. And you know, am I aligned with the values of place where I work? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, um, yeah, do do I? Is there a sense of trust? It's it's a very uh, difficult thing to build. Um, we try to make sure that in our workplace that, that it's, you know, one of the things that we build on, on every level with all of the employees. Um, and it's, it just is a very hard thing to protect. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I, I see that as the most essential. You know, this is coming, you know, right now we're talking from the standpoint of being somebody looking for a job and trying to find their, their why they're, you know, knowing their dream. But at the same time, if you're somebody who's opening a restaurant, are you clear about why you're doing it so you can find those people who are looking for the jobs that are aligned with what you're trying to do. Um, there's a lot to be taken away from this, this conversation. So awesome yeah, stuff. It's cool. Yeah. It's a hard thing to, to do as a creative person to find what makes you unique. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for people to, to understand is that, you know, it took me a long time to realize this. I, as I was going through the cooking world, I was applying my, you know, passion towards, uh, you know, Japanese cooking, French cooking. And it came a bit as a surprise that at the end of the day, the, the things that I saw as my shortcomings um, as a worker have become some of, you know, the assets that, that uh, have pushed me along as, you know, as a chef. So I think people have to find, um, you know, that question of who they are and then, you know, basically underline the the qualities that make them unique in the workplace. So just to summarize, find out who you are uh, and align yourself with a, a restaurant, somebody you can work for who's aligned with what you're doing, and then there's more opportunity for growth there. And maybe someday, like what you did, become partner. And uh, you don't necessarily need to start with your own concept and create everything from scratch. You can very easily own your own restaurant just by aligning your, your morals with those who are doing great things in the industry. Is that a good summary? I think it's an interesting and surprising way to approach the business. (laughs) 
Awesome. So let's talk about uh, people. I mean, this industry is so – you already kind of put some stress on it. It's such a people-dependent industry and just, uh, you know, as far as your advice on hiring and managing and retaining people, what do you have for us? Uh, well, you know, it has quickly become the uh, – you know, probably the our number one uh, issue in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. In the last 10 or 15 years, uh, we have focused on sourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, the quality, the provenance, the, you know, um, the healthiness, the, um, the overall quality of the products that we serve has been our number one fascination. And in the next 10 years, I think you'll, you'll see that our industry will be very uh, focused on people. So there's a transformation that's happening, you know, as we speak. Mm-hmm. And not that this is a new idea. Every business is fueled on, you know, the quality of the people and the, the dynamic nature of the organization. But it will become, you know, as it relates to uh, equi- equitable relationships, social justice, um, quality of, of life. These are all issues, you know, people issues that are going to dominate our restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the restaurant companies that are able to move forward in their recruiting efforts, um, both uh, winning over people that are, you know, committed from an early age to get into this business through vocational schools or uh, technical colleges, cooking schools, um, as well as people who come from the business from either changing careers or even, you know, outside academic sources of study. I think those are the, um, the restaurant companies that will set themselves off and kind of move forward the fastest. Absolutely. So we've, we've recognized now um, more than ever that, you know, our recruiting efforts, uh, overt recruiting efforts are, um, are more important than ever. Um, Staff retention, especially at our company, has become really uh, a way in which we've decided to measure our success. We we ask ourselves, we, we know how to, to measure the restaurant if, um, you know, using financial tools. We, we know whether or not the restaurant is performing in a healthy way financially, but we've asked ourselves over the last five years, how do we know whether we're um, actually producing hospitality mm-hmm. in a way and at a rate that that you know that we're we're so proud of, and so this question of asking ourselves are we really a great place to work or not has become you know uh, a very hot topic and a you know high high source of of uh, you know of our of our whole team. As far as recruiting people, what tools are you using to get out there to find talent? I've, I've seen you on culinary agents. Is there an, any other platforms you're out there to source good talent? Well, you know, I'll start by saying that the, you know, most basic old fashioned tool is the way to do it. When you, yeah. when you are in looking for someone talented, ask the talented people you work with. Mm. Um, but yes, there are new platforms like culinary agents I don't think that there's any um, <clears throat> uh, exception for um, for restaurant um, chefs, restaurateurs, owners for actually getting themselves out there and and meeting new people. So we've we really try to go to every source. We've developed yeah. relationships with um, with culinary schools in and around our our city and region. Yeah, um, we have 
uh, uh, we have dates where we're traveling to the Culinary Institute of America. Uh, that when I say we, that means Sandy Meyer, uh, you know, the principal owner of our company, Sabato Segaria, the chief restaurant officer, yeah. um, myself, and other chefs in the company who are, you know, taking time away from the restaurants to actually go to the CIA and meet kids, talk to them about, you know, their career paths. And it's interesting because uh, now more than ever, um, you know, we meet people who are committed to the food industry, but not all of them are pursuing traditional paths of, you know, working their way through the ranks of a kitchen. Mm -hmm. They want to use their technical information, you know, for for a whole variety of reasons, and I find that very exciting. Um, but, you know, we're, we're here for you know, sharing our experience and how we made those critical decisions along the way. So so we're getting out there. We're visiting Cornell. Um, we're sending folks to the New England Culinary Institute, Johnson & Wales. Yeah. These are all um, schools that are thriving. Uh, you know, we also um, take time and we, we visit Yale. The Sustainable Food Project has been a source of inspiration for years now, and we've, you know, cultivated a pipeline of talent through – you know, mm -hmm. even schools like, like Yale um, to, to produce people that are, you know, interested in learning about the intricacies of the restaurant business yeah. and taking that information and doing amazing things. They're changing the way people are thinking about food. Yeah, and you're doing this on a huge scale. I mean, let's be honest, Union Square Hospitality Group is just mag like just huge like on the giant scale, but we can all do what you're doing on a smaller scale within our communities, with the community colleges, with getting involved with other, like the, like, uh, farmers markets communities and, and seeing who's passionate, these young people who are passionate about food and about learning about food. And I, in a, another example of how you just engage and you network, I was on a call last week when you were speaking with the Chefs Collaborative Group about good food and the importance of good food. There's, these are all things we can do as restaurant owners, as executive chefs, to get out there and to engage with our community, to interact with these passionate people and then draw them in. Um, Chefs Collaborative is a great organization that's growing the James Beard Foundation keeps moving forward with yeah. dynamic ideas like the Chef uh, Boot Camp. Um, so there, there are many more organizations out there that allow for chefs to broadcast their their message and their beliefs, and ultimately look for people that you know that align with them. Yeah, and I mean, one more thing I noticed that you do is you educate your people. Once they're in the door, you don't stop. You, you bring them to the farms. You have the farms come into your restaurant. One of the things we have to do in our restaurants is constantly be growing and educating our staff. And that's one thing that I think you're a shining example of doing. You, you do that so well. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to mention is uh, you hire for the excellence reflex. And I got that from Danny's book, and I'm pretty sure he got that from you. Do you want to speak to that at all? Well, Somehow, I don't. I think that Danny's, you know, broadcast that message for for quite some time, and it has been the backbone of our, you know, of our company. And that is, you know, when you find people that just have intuitively have the reaction to try to make things, you know, a little bit better. When you see someone walking through the hallways of the restaurant, and there's a piece of paper or you know a peeling of a you know vegetable that has found its way onto the floor. Despite the fact that you're on your way to do something else important and you're, you know, rushing around trying to lead a, you know, a productive, busy day, do you have the reaction to stop and pick it up? So as, you know, so as to make the place a, a better place. Do you, you know, when a guest reaches out and says, I have a question or a concern about in my experience, do you have the, you know, the reflex 
should stop and listen uh, in order to learn something interesting and, and turn around and take action on it. So yeah. this has been the backbone of you know Danny's business, and you know we're we're proud at GTN Untitled um, to you know to promote those things. They they make for uh, healthy and dynamic places to work. You want to work with people that you know have that sparkle in their eyes mm. and have you know a sense of pride and something to prove. Man, I, I, this is turning out to be such a great interview, and we're already at 45 minutes, so I'm, I'm really going to have to hold some uh, discipline here and try to move on to the next question, but awesome stuff. I'm really loving what you're sharing with us. Uh, the next question I have for you uh, is what are some of the current challenges or industry uh, challenges that you're seeing coming down the barrel, or are you currently challenged or dealing with right now, and like what, what are you, uh, you know, how are you succeeding, and what are you doing to, to handle those challenges? But we just named the number one uh, challenge that is staff retention mm-hmm. and training. Yeah. Um, so recruiting ties into that. That's one big um, uh, giant issue that uh, as the industry grows, people will find will have to find dynamic ways of addressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another challenge that restaurants always face are the you know the pressures, financial uh, and regulatory pressures of operating their business. So as uh, minimum wage rises across the country, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing for our people who are making more money. They deserve to make more money. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is to bring all of the, our, our constituencies along the way, um, meaning, um, you know, the, there's a, a wide variety of motivations that bring people to work in the restaurant business. It's, it's quickly defined by jobs that, um, you know, come into, uh, we just, we describe them as the front of the house and back of the house. Um, more and more, you know, companies like ours that really underline teamwork and try to bring people together under one professional culture, uh, I believe is, is the way of the future and has always been the mm-hmm. way of every successful business. Behind the scenes, every successful restaurant has had an intense sense of connection between its employees, no matter what their jobs are. Everyone realizes that each job is just as important as the next. Um, Now we're faced with some interesting and challenging questions about how those jobs are compensated. Um, The old-fashioned restaurant rule um, kind of left a lot of uh, inequity within Mm -hmm. Uh, people who work in the restaurant business are compensated. And I did not think that it would happen during my lifetime that um, restaurant owners, company owners like Danny, our company would take such a courageous stand on addressing these issues. Mm -hmm. It is a very complicated and challenging issue, which requires a full buy-in from everyone who works in and uses restaurants to see our culture move forward. But I firmly believe that our our stance on... uh, uh, eliminating the tipping system is an important one, not for everyone. Like, yeah. No one is trying to are you, focus on, are you having on su- every are, Sorry, are you having success with that? Let me ask that. I mean, are, are you definitely leading the industry and in being one of the first restaurant groups to adopt this this uh, model. Are you having success with it? Well, we have to recognize that this is, you know, a cultural shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dining population is now being asked to reevaluate what the real cost of quality food is. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, that's a difficult subject in the United States of America. Mm. Um, we're, we have to uh, slowly but surely take lessons from 
restaurants like The Modern, which is part of our restaurant group, mm -hmm. that have taken a step forward and eliminated the tipping system and seen that it can work, um, that the uh, response from the dining population is a strong one, that it appeals to people's sense of, uh, you know, moral, moral compass, it, that it uh, resonates with the staff that they feel a sense of empowerment by, you know, belonging to a culture that is a professional culture and shows once and for all we're not in this business to reach into people's pockets for a buck, that we're actually, you know, founded on a deep sense of pride yeah. and that it can, it can be profitable um, at the end of the day. Restaurants can find a way to pay their employees uh, equitably, fairly, and turn a profit. And I think that's, you know, time will tell. Uh, no one, no one knows exactly how these, uh, all these levers will, um, you know, need to be pulled and pushed in order to find the right balance. But I'm convinced that, you know, uh, our company is on the right path. That it's, uh, you know, it is a very earnest and genuine approach to trying to make the workplace better. I'm very excited for our restaurants to participate mm -hmm. uh, once we've studied carefully. Um, you know, what it means to each and every business. We're in a, in a period right now where we're watching carefully with intent, cheering, you know, those restaurants along that have decided to, to make a go of it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, um, trying to, you know, carefully calculate um, how to best take care of our own guests as we, you know, as we move forward. Because yeah. at the end of the day, value is the name of the game. And our, our, the dining population has to perceive a strong sense of values to make the decision to come to our restaurant. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, that the hard work that we put into it, the innovation and ingenuity, along with some really strategic and carefully calculated um, economic moves, will, will help the industry, you know, move into the future. Wow. All great stuff. I mean, you said it all. I don't need to add anything to that. Uh, great advice and uh, definitely something to keep our, your eye on as we evolve as an industry for sure. So let's talk about um, how you balance work and life. I mean, how do you find time for the things outside of work that are so important to just your general happiness? Well, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but yeah. in order to, you know, to try to find some balance, I recognize that there probably is no such thing as balance um, in the restaurant business. You know, there are more people that need our attention at once than we can possibly give. Mm -hmm. So by choosing uh, carefully to, you know, be in the right place at the right time and to be all there and give it your, your full attention, your full creative uh, attention is the name of the game. And I'll admit I'm still uh, exploring how to, how to manage this, and I feel a deep sense of tension. But when I, when I feel that pressure build up that I'm, you know, uh, not paying enough attention to uh, one of our teams or my family, um, I have to take a deep breath and not not allow that to you know to become a, a detractor. Like people need your energy, they need your positive energy. They uh, will not thrive on your frustration. Yeah. Well, let me say thank you for being in this moment in this at this time with me and sharing your energy with me. I really do appreciate it. I know I'm probably taking from that time from life, but your home time. So thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, totally be in every moment, moment at every time and make the most of that time for sure. Uh, you already mentioned earlier the importance of always growing, always learning from the people you surround yourself with, whether uh, superiors or some somebody coming in, 
you know, as a new hire, for example. But what about books? Are there any books you recommend or must read for like personal growth or business books in this industry? Well, I'll name a couple. I mean, the first may be an obvious choice <laughs> for me that setting the table has been a guiding light for our company and mm-hmm. for me personally. Which is the number uh, one recommended book on the show, by the way. I'm not surprised to hear it because Danny's <laughs> voice comes comes through in a personal way. So as you're reading the book, you really get to know him better. So it's insightful. Yeah, um, it, he's awesome. It shares a- stories that are both you know triumphs and uh, setbacks for him exactly. along the way. Yeah, and as we talked about before, those setbacks have become you know kind of the cornerstones of. Uh, of who we are. Danny describes it as, you know, the road to success is paved by mistakes well handled. Mm-hmm. You know, um, writing a great la- last chapter. In this business, there are very few, if ever, oh, days that, that unfold part. the way we expect them to. Mm-hmm. And um, and so how we handle it and how we follow up and how we're relentless and, and showing people that we really care is, you know, the name of the game. So that's has been, you know, beyond the, the most impactful uh, book about the restaurant business in my life. But I'll name a couple of others that have really helped me uh, in the process of kind of moving from uh, trying to be a cook and then a chef and now searching what it means to be a leader. Um, I love uh, Seth Godin, mm. uh, who both online and as well as in his book, like Lynchpin, mm-hmm. offered great insight into... Um, you know, just tidbits of wisdom that sometimes turn the conventional on its head. Uh, so Seth has always been a source of information and inspiration. And Erica Anderson um, has written a number of books, and uh, Being Strategic is one that has helped me to think carefully about, you know, how to how to lead our team. Uh, she is, is again, uh, one of the great thinkers in the business world, and incredibly available, uh, invisible person and a very real, real person. Um, so I, I enjoy both of those. Awesome. I'll have all those links in the show notes. This is episode 212. So just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 212. You'll find all the links. And Danny's book is in audio form. You can get a free copy of this book by heading over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. And he is narrating that book. So his voice truly does come through. Uh, so let's talk about some technology. What are the tools and technology that uh, you're leveraging in your restaurant right now, front of house, back of house, to really just stay fresh, to uh, stay efficient and productive? It's an interesting topic, you know, how fast technology is changing the industry. And at the same time, you know, from an operator's perspective, there's a lot of frustration uh, built into technical technological changes. I mean, we've seen over the last, uh, 15 years or so, how um, technologies like Open Table mm-hmm. have changed the habits of our industry. Now more than ever, you know, we've had to rethink. Um, you know, what is that first point of entry? Is it uh, um, is it always the person? You know, we have nine or ten people that work in our host reservation department at Gramercy Tavern, so we'd like to think that 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 voice is your first initiation to you know an experience in the restaurant. But we know for sure that um, in addition to those phone calls, now more than ever, people are you know, using the convenience of, of their mobile device to make, um, you know, to make reservations mm-hmm. and to search out information about us. So, so that has, is an obvious game changer. 
um, you know, we look at the way um, in which, uh, you know, uh, I guess the most hopeful uh, source of technology that has yet to be firmly developed is uh, methods of payment. Mm-hmm. Once we, we actually see um, uh, a couple of trustworthy and common ways of paying for dining experience uh, without taking out a credit card or cash, uh, the auto pay will, I think, be a game changer just as it's been for uh, transportation companies like Uber. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm very eager to be able to address that issue with our, um, you know, for our dining experience. For me, I think it's one of our number one issues uh, in running uh, fine dining restaurants that people perceive them to be uh, either in time or in price, uh, too much or too long, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm really adamant. We I think we price our food uh, fairly and uh, are constantly figuring out how to offer better deals. Um, but when it comes to the end of the meal, do we get? Do we are we able to uh, hold that transaction of paying in a time frame that meets and exceeds people's expectations? Mm. It's it is a huge question that I'm. Uh, I think we're all. Um, plagued with. Uh, nowhere, at no time do we ever want to rush anyone out of our restaurant. But at yeah. the same time, I see it now more than ever as an act of hospitality to be able to enable a guest to pay that check whenever they want and to be able to stand up and walk away without being trapped. Are there any and companies you have a, an eye on that you're following that are on the verge of coming out of something? We're not quite there yet, but you know we're in a very hopeful place. Okay. Now, I will say that we've taken a step forward with um, with a, an online uh, web app that um, that I think is going to impact our business in a huge way. It's called Triple Feed. Okay. And Triple Feed is uh, you know an application that uh, is aimed to help our event managers um, streamline their bookings and capture new event business. Awesome. Um, in a way, it allows through the use of uh, very simple graphics and calendars to manage multiple um, businesses. Um, now, you know, as I mentioned, our company is growing, mm-hmm. and many of them have private dining uh, uh, spaces. Yep. Um, how do we how do we capture new business, and how do we share uh, business between our uh, company uh, company's restaurants and so I think Triple Seed is going to is just now in its implementation form uh, within our company, and it is is going to increase uh, our ability to you know to uh, handle private dining in a way in a more organized and streamlined way than we ever have before. Awesome! You said that's Triple Seed. Triple Seed. Awesome! I'll have that link in the show notes, and we're almost ready to wrap up. Thank you so much for going a little bit over our agreed upon time. I just want to say thank you for that, but. When Chef Michael Anthony is talking, you don't let him, you know, you, you, you let him go. <laughs> and you've been sharing great advice with us, so I'm sorry we're running a little late, but I didn't want to stop you. You're just on a roll. Um, <laughs> so the next question, and we're almost done, is with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time and give yourself, your past version of yourself, one piece of business advice, what would it be? Uh, I think patience is uh, number one uh quality that I, I wish I were able to, you know, kind of uh, hang on to as I was growing. I was very impatient and eager to eager to impress. Behind every chef, there's a show-off. Mm-hmm. And 
with a little bit of patience and foresight, knowing that things would unfold in a positive way with persistence and determination, I think that patience would have helped me to, to be a lot more uh, confident and calm along the way. Mm. Awesome stuff. Patience is huge. And, Chef, was there one question I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview? Well, you know, um, we're always interested in, um, in talking about our newest business. And I, we have a new baby that's called Untitled. I, I, I could spend another 45 minutes talking about how in love <laughs> I've fallen with that, that space and restaurant. So that would be, you know, it's my uh, current infatuation. And we're trying to lift that business, you know, elevate it to a, a level that people see it not just as a nice place to visit when you're going to the museum, the Whitney Museum of American Art, but a real destination within New York City. Awesome. I'll have the links to that restaurant. Uh, what, what's the, the website to the new restaurant? Untitled at the Whitney.com. All right. I'll have that link in the show. Now, if you guys want to check out what chef Michael Anthony has going on and, uh, we wrap up every interview chef by having you call somebody out. So who's one indie restaurant professional, uh, whether executive chef restaurant tour you admire and just think would be a great guest mentor on the show. Like you've been for us today. You know, there's someone who you should talk to um, who operates several restaurants at Ottawa, Canada. His name is Stephen Vecta. Stephen Vecta. T-A. And Stephen is a former USHG employee who has gone on to become a superstar and an innovator in our industry. And he uh, embodies all of the qualities of the people that have worked in our company, and he's set a new standard for dining uh and uh his his businesses are amazing so i would i would say that he'd be a great guy for you to talk to awesome steven look out i'm coming after you and let the folks at home know chef how can we connect with you on social media if we want to follow the work you're doing or maybe if we want to come work for union square hospitality group what's the best way to connect so the best way to connect is uh, through instagram and twitter at chef mike anthony all right and terms of uh, connecting for potential uh, interviews and sending resumes, go to our website, untitled, at thewhitney.com or gramercytavern.com, and we have uh, clear links to allow you to reach out and, and make contact with us. Awesome. Again, this is episode 212. I'll have all those links in the show notes. Just head over Head on over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 212. You'll find the links there. Chef Michael Anthony, thank you so, so much for taking the time of your extremely busy schedule to join me as a guest mentor. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks. I enjoyed talking with you. It was a blast. Cheers. One more episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Chef Michael Anthony, thank you so much for coming out and spreading your mentorship on us. We're all better after listening to you, for sure. I don't think anybody will question that. Uh, Biggest takeaway for me, you know, short and sweet, just aim big, dream big. Uh, If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it. So what are you doing with your career do you have those big goals are you aiming for something big are you dreaming big if you're not you should be Uh, and the other big takeaway in this industry or in this episode rather is just you know 
you really it's all about people and hospitality and being in the moment and uh caring for your people and that's what we learn from union square hospitality uh and everybody who's a part of that organization is just great uh team to look at for you know an example of what we should all try to be more like so awesome stuff uh great episode today if you enjoyed this episode and you found value in today's guests advice please support the show you know how to do it keep on listening share this resource with everybody you know in the industry uh shoot me an email eric at restaurant unstoppable tell me who you want to hear from so i can keep the content coming leave a five-star review on itunes and stitcher radio use my links if there's a product or service that's mentioned on the show and you're interested in using and leveraging that technology or that service just use my links if it's an affiliate i'll get a commission at no extra expense expense to you that's just your little way of thanking me for putting this content out there that's how we keep the show free so if you like it if you're finding value uh let's keep it going i need your support and thank you so so much in advance uh don't forget to head over to restaurantunstoppablecom slash books and tools for a complete recap of all the books and tools recommended by our past over 200 guest mentors to date uh, all right there to help you guys you know to expedite the process to your path to success all there all right guys that's all i have for you today thank you so much for joining me until next time peace out